A baseball analogy. I hear your pain. Crazy double standards. And what are the solutions? Irishman stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show where you come for the accents and wee, 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 wee. And uh, we have a new feature starting this week. We're now on YouTube. If you look up Freedom's Disciple, you get to look at my pretty face and you get to, to take it all in, ladies. You get to take in the image plus all the, the accent. Oh, 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 oh. Yes, it is. And I got an honest question. Before we get to what we want to talk about today, what the hell happened in your country in the last two weeks? Because when I left, I was going through some issues and, you know, full disclosure for a few of the things. Basically, since last Friday, I've lost my job. I'm out, I'm unemployed. So I wanted to take a couple of weeks out because I wanted to, you know, get the, the job hunt on a, on a fresh foot and I wanted to have no distractions. And I kind of went, you know, this is a perfect time to take a, you know, couple of weeks break from the show because it's Corona, it's Corona, it's Corona, it's Corona. It's boring. And I'm like, this is a good time. You're coronavirus out. I'm coronavirus out. There's only so much we can all talk about. So I think, take two weeks off. Cool. Awesome. Bit of an early summer vacation. Huh. Things went uh, from first gear to fifth gear rather quickly, huh? It went so fast that the baseball is out. And for all of you who are long-term listeners, you know when the baseball is out and John's throwing the baseball. John is really, hmm, not happy. But I want to start today because there's so much I want to talk to you about today. There is so much that is happening that is absolutely critical to understanding why it's happening how our response and how we should react is, but also what is the path forward. And this is going to shock you. I'm going to give you a spoiler alert because if you've been listening to me for nearly six years on The Blaze and followed my work prior to this, I'm going to say something today that you've never heard me say before. And even I'm shocked. I'm like, are you sure, Johnny? Is this the answer you want to put forward as the solution? I'm going to give you the spoiler alert right in advance. The spoiler is... compose yourself the answer is follow your founding documents follow the examples of the founders follow the history of america and be americans but we'll get to that in a few minutes because i want to lay the groundwork for today like i've been doing for the last couple of years by giving you an analogy because I want to talk to you about what's going on in your country and, and how it has been responded to. But I want to do it not just because when you talk about the, the actual events of the day, everyone goes into their little tribes. Oh, are you going to say something negative about Donald Trump? Are you going to say something negative about the left? Are you going to get all political? But I'm going to give you an analogy. And I want you to think about this analogy. And it's a baseball analogy because if we lived in a real world, if we lived in America 2020 where there is no coronavirus, there is no protest, and we just lived in a normal 2020, we should all be talking baseball right now. 
Like the conversation between me and you should be the Yankees are the best team in baseball. And you all come back to me, oh, the Yankees suck. They're the evil empire. And I respond by going, you're a bunch of commies if you don't like the Yankees because that's what I do. It's this back and forth that we have. But baseball isn't there. But I want you to think of baseball. Baseball, it's a great sport. It's a very simple sport. Somebody throws the ball. Somebody tries to hit the ball. But what I want to do is I want, I want to get into the nitty-gritty of the rules of baseball because some, there are some people who listen they are going to go, John, I don't watch baseball. I don't know. If you have never watched baseball, you know the term ball and strike, right? Basically, a strike is the width of the place, usually from about the chest to the knees. That's a strike. If the ball goes in through that area, that's a strike. If it's not, it's a ball. I want you to think of yourself as an analogy. Because it's exactly what is happening right now. I want you to think of yourself as a starting pitcher. And you could be for your favorite team. Obviously me, I'm going to be for the Yankees. Or if it's, you know, if it's the Red Sox, boo! Red Sox suck. Even though baseball's off, I still hate the Red Sox. It's funny, that hatred never dies. But, you know, if it's the, you know, ever who it is. If it's the Cleveland Indians, if it's the Texas Rangers, if it's the LA Dodgers. Wherever you're listening. Or maybe it's your kid's local team. And you're going in as that starting pitcher. And you're going in. And you're not just facing. It's not just an average game. It's not just a run-of-the-mill game one of 162. It's a playoff game. But you're not just facing any team. You're facing the creme de la creme. You're facing the Mike Trouts of the day. You're facing the Aaron Judges. You're facing the Ted Williams, the Babe Roots, the Joe DiMaggio's. All the elite hitters. And you're going in as that starting pitcher. And you're going, my God, look at all these people. Look at all these hitters. How am I supposed to get them out? My God, my job is going to, my God, my job is going to be so tough today. But it's not just that. What also you have is, because we have sabermetrics and analytics today, you also have the disadvantage that you know the home plate umpire has one of the tightest strike zones going. And you're going into that playoff game going, I'm going against a really lined up, a lined up rigged lineup that's like stacked. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There is no, oh, okay, this guy only hits 200. Okay, let's just, let's just throw him some play, you know, fastballs down the middle. He'll get himself out. No, everyone's a lease. But you also have an umpire that if it's a borderline pitch, if it's a borderline pitch and it's like, you want that pitch, you're like, that, come on, ump, that's a strike. And he's like, ball. I want you to think of that analogy. And I want you to think of, if that was your son or daughter, what would your mindset be? What would your advice be? What do you think an elite athlete's advice would be? Do you think an elite athlete is going in there thinking, oh my God, you know, they're going to win the game by going, oh, I'm not, how am I supposed to get all those nine guys out? Not just once, not just twice, but maybe three times. Uh, we're not winning this game. Oh, just, just throw the ball, we're done. Or how many times do you think that pitcher is going to win going, how am I supposed to get a strike on this umpire? This umpire doesn't like me. He has a tight strike zone. You're like, come on. Do you think their mindset is that? Or do you think their mindset is, I'm going to just execute my pitch. If I'm a fastball pitcher, I'm going to throw fastballs. And I'm going to throw the best fastballs I have ever thrown. Or if you've got off speed, if you've got a curveball or a slider or a breaking ball. That you're going to make sure, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to throw the best pitches I can. And there's not going to be one cement mixer over the center of that plate. 
What do you think their mindset is? What do you think their mindset is is going into that battle? Do you think they're thinking about all the obstacles that they can't control? Or do you think they're solely thinking, my execution, I have the ball, they have to hit us. Now get yourself into the game. Get yourself into that game where you're like, I'm in the game. And it's a real critical at bat. And there's a couple of people, there's men on first on second. And it's a tie ball game. And it's two and two. And you throw your pitch. You're going to say it's a fastball to keep it simple. Fastball just goes straight, for those that don't know. You throw your four-seam fastball. And it's on the outside corner. It's just, you know, right around his waist. And you're like, oh, that was just, oh, I nailed that pitch. And you look up. You tip the cap and you look up and all you hear is, ball. How do you think that's going to go? If the starting pitcher loses it and starts going, come on! That's a ball. That's not a ball, that's a strike. This inning's over. I should be walking to the dugout. How do you think that's going to go over? Is it the starting pitcher's job to lose it? Is it the starting pitcher's job to lose the game? Or is it the job of the manager to go, no, 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 you need to calm down. We need you in the game. We need you in the game. We need this game not to be about your anger. We need this game not to be about you. This is a game between you and the batsman. I'll look after the umpire. This analogy will make sense what I want to talk to you about. But before I do that, I want to give you a second analogy to think about. And this is going to be more for guys. Guys, I know it's not popular to be a man in this world today. It's not popular to be a gentleman. Because we're demeaned at every opportunity that we get. But if you're old school, you know this analogy. And it's something we need to teach our kids today. Imagine yourself in a bar. And imagine yourself as, you know, ever who you think is the toughest guy out there. Imagine yourself as the rock. The rock. Where you're chiseled and all oh, your chest is like, oh, me Tarzan, yeah. And it's clear to everyone in that bar that, you know, the chances are, because you might have some tags out or, you know, you might be a Marine, you could pretty much take anyone that's in that bar. You're 6'6", six, six, you're jacked, you've got huge arms. And all of a sudden, this five foot nothing person who weighs maybe 120 pounds if they're soaking wet, Rather wrong. <laughs> Look at the little Marie. <laughs> I can take you. Come on, man. Bum up. I'll take you. As you say, I don't like the way you look at me. And they're drunk and they're slurring the words. And everyone knows by looking at that fight. If the, the guy, the Marine, just goes, bum, he's going to fall over. Gentlemen. Out there, the old school gentlemen. Were you raised the way I was that, you know, you don't really hit someone unless they think you can take it and it's a fair fight? Like, if there's a little guy who you know you can beat up and they're poking you, and they're poking you, they're like, come on, fight me, fight me, fight me, I can take you. And deep in the heart, you're known, I would destroy you. I would just blow at you and you would die. Do you hit them? Do you respond? Old school gentlemen, the way I was brought up anyway, old school was, no. You just just go away. You swat that fly away. You swat that fly away. You just go, look, just leave me alone. And then if it gets really too physical where something else happens, you might hit him once. Once. 
You don't start going, he's five foot nothing and a hundred pounds and he really annoyed me. I'm going to get on top and go, boom, 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 boom. Who do you think is going to win? But now let me add one layer onto that analogy as well. And this will all make perfect sense. I'm going to make this all bring circles. I want to, this is the groundwork for you. Now imagine that same scenario playing out in a bar where everyone has their phones. Oh, look, there's a small guy. He's going to take on the big guy. Oh, let's look. And they just have their cameras in your face. Do you still respond the same way? Do you still going to go, I'm just going to go pulverize him. And even though everyone has their cameras and they're like, oh my God, that big six foot Marine is literally pulverizing the small guy. And they're literally looking, and I'm not ignoring you by not looking at you. I'm literally doing what everyone does on their phone. Oh my God, look at this. Look, look, look. That's how we view things today. We don't actually look one-to-one. We look through our phones. Just think about those two analogies. And think about what is happening in your country right now. Right now. And I just don't mean coronavirus. I don't just mean the protests. I want you to think about those two analogies. And ask yourself, what would you say? If you were that starting pitcher going into that baseball game, what would your mindset be? But then also, if you were that six foot six Marine and that little five foot nothing guy is annoying you and poking you and poking you and poking you, say, come on, man, put him up, fight me. How would you respond? Because what we're going to talk about for the rest of the show is going to be linked to those two analogies. So that brings us to today. We need to talk about what's going on in your country because it's also now spreading to parts of the world. But I want to talk to you about individual stories, but I also want to talk to you about something that I think is always fundamentally misunderstood or totally forgotten by everyone in the mainstream media. You, the American people. Because whether people like to acknowledge this or not, whether people want to admit that or not, the solutions to America's problems have always been the same. If you listen to people like me, it's the, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the Federalist and Anti-Federalist Papers. They're all linked into one. But even if you don't agree on that foundation, the answers are always the same. It's you, the American people. What will you believe? What will you understand? What will you act like? How will you talk? What's going on in your country? I want to be crystal clear who I'm going to criticize right now. Because everyone, I, if I didn't name people right now, they would all just go, oh, this is only on Donald Trump. I am going to be critical of Donald Trump, by the way. I'm also going to be critical of every feckless, spineless, useless, incompetent boob that is in Congress, that is in the Senate. I'm also going to talk about the incompetence of the right-wing media. I've been around your politics since Bush versus Gore. This game is a rigged game. The reason I used that baseball analogy was not to talk about politics, but was to explain the mindset that a pitcher needs to have in a baseball game. In case you don't know, that pitcher should be the rice. Because you don't have to be just good to win. You have to be perfect. 
You are in a rigged system where you're just one pitcher going against nine elite players. And just so my words are not twisted against me, I'm not saying CNN is elite. CNN's crap. MSNBC is not elite. But they have that rigged system. They have that rigged umpire. They have that umpire that, you know, it better be the, a clear pitch. It, you better be, it better be a clear strike. Or if it isn't, it's a ball and I'm going against you. And I don't care how people respond. It's a ball. And at the end of the day, the umpire's role and word is final. And for many in the country today, for many of our friends on the left, the media's word is final. If they convict you of guilty, you're guilty. Because then that treads and starts going through social media. Then all of a sudden it becomes trending. I don't care about the rig system. Do I think it's right? Yeah. No, I sorry. No, I don't. Do I think if I had a magic wand, I'd have a a fair system that would be based on actual truth and fact and logic? Yes. Absolutely. But you know what? I'm holding a baseball in my hands. Not holding a magic wand. This has been the truth for every country. Like Ireland. Ireland has a rig system. Except the difference between Ireland and England and America is that while we have rig systems, ours is paid by the state. You have PBS, but no one really watches it. Our main media is RTE. The main media in the UK is BBC. It's paid for by tax-funded dollars. Or euros in Irish case, or pounds in English case. In your case, it's not. You have alternative facts, alternative media. Alternative facts from CNN and MSNBC. You have alternative media and Fox. You have The Blaze. You have The Daily Wire. You have so many competition for voices. Do we have competition in Ireland? Yeah. But it's a rigged system. The media always leans to the left. The media in Ireland is like the media in the US. In fact, many times we just take what the media says in the US and regurgitate it as truth. If you're a Republican, bad. Oh, you're bad. You're a Democrat. Yay. Oh, he's so awesome. Oh, I got a trill up my leg. That's the way it is. How do we react? Go back to that pitcher's mindset. Oh my God, I'm facing the elite. Doesn't matter. You execute your pitch. Oh my God, the umpire. Doesn't matter. You execute your pitch. We can sit around all day long, guys and girls, and moan and whine about the media. We can moan and whine all day about the media. What good is it going to do? Do you think the media is going to go, oh, all these right-wing talking people are, are moaning about us. Oh, we better do our job better. Oh, you think that's going to work? Or do you think what we need to start doing is start executing our pitches? That all this stuff out here, all this fluff is just noise. And that's all it is. And that we concentrate, instead of moaning and bitching, That boys and girls, I'm going to say something that may be offensive to some, that we put on our big boy pants and we just accept it and we just concentrate on executing our pitch. Because what happened in your country last week is a joke. It is a joke. And I say this on so many layers. This should have been a slam dunk for the rice. There's This is such an easy case. To actually make inroads. This is so easy. If you just don't say stupid crap. If you just coordinate among all your leaders. And you harmonize a message. You know the way the left do? Here's something that's going to annoy somebody on the right. 
actually followed what the left does. Take their example. Get a set of talking points and regurgitate it over and over and over and over and over and over again. So why is it a joke? Why was this a slam dunk case? Let's take layer one. I say this as someone who is damn proud to defend law enforcement. I take a lot of heat from my libertarian. Oh, John, you call yourself a constitution. You say you love freedom, but yet you're so pro-law enforcement. How do those two equate? Because I understand the founder's vision of America. Not only do I understand the founder's vision of America, but I love it. I appreciate it. I understand that the role of government is not to be your protector. It's not to be Mr. Law and Order. Your job as government is to protect individual rights. It is the exact opposite to every other nation, past and present. Where government is the giver of rights, the government is the decider. It is the government's job in America that you have constitutional rights. And it is your job, it is your duty, it is your moral obligation to ensure nobody infringes on those rights. Whether you're black, whether you're white, whether you're Hispanic. There is not one person I know that will look at what that police officer did and go, well, you know, that's a, that's a line ball, John. That's, that could, that could go either way. That's a border, that could be a ball or a strike. No, it's a strike. That's murder. And that police officer should have the book thrown at him. That is not good police officing. There is no way you justify that. But also on another one, on another level for the police officers. The gentleman who, have you watched that video who's just standing to the left of him? If you're looking at the video from behind, he's just standing there. Your job is to ensure you have a note to protect people's rights. That gentleman's rights were being infringed upon and you just stood there. The first people that need to call cops out is cops. Because no one gives cops a bad name. You think all the people on the streets who are like, oh, pigs, pigs like bacon, or cops like pigs, fry like bacon, all those. You think they give cops a bad name? No one's going to listen to that. And yes, I apologize to law enforcement who like don't like that saying. I was just using it to prove a point. But you know who does more damage to the ability of cops? It's cops who are good cops standing by protecting their brother in blue who are bad, who give the badge a bad name. So that's the first reason that was so sad. That case is slam dunk. The second is, you have people literally rioting and looting in the streets. If you go on social media, you see all these businesses looted. You're in a pandemic right now where your economy is about to go into a depression. You're, you're going to have so much pain. I don't think anyone in America or the world realizes the economic pain that is coming. And your answer is, well, look at all these businesses who have, were maybe closed for maybe a week, two weeks, a month, six months. Maybe you're not even open yet. And they're now looted. How do you think that's going to affect? That's your neighborhood and you're burning it down. You have those two things. A clear case of murder and people literally looting and rioting in the streets. This should have been a slam dunk for my friends on the right to win. But what happened? You blew it. You blew it. 
You know what needs to happen? And I know this is going to annoy a lot of Donald Trump supporters, and it's not because of how great a president he was, but you know what you needed to do, Mr. President? You could have had your George Bush moment. And I know that's controversial to say right now because the Bushes are apparently backing Biden. I don't know and I don't care because I don't care about your internal politics. But if you ask anyone about George Bush, left or right, top or bottom, black or white, gay or straight, rich or poor, give me one quote from George Bush. What do you think that quote would be? George Bush's iconic moment were the words America needed this week. And it could have made such a difference. What were the words? When you think of George Bush, there are many quotes I can think of of George Bush, and not all of them good, by the way. But there was one quote he did that was amazing. And it was what was needed this week. Do you know what that was? His bullhorn speech from 9-11. Where he gets up. He has a bullhorn. And he starts to talk. And just to show you the type of person he was. And how improvised it was. They responded to him. We can't hear you. From the back. How did he respond? The words America needed at that time. Well I can hear you. America hears you. And the people who tore these stairs down will hear from all of us soon. What did that do? That galvanized the nation. Those words will go down in history. Whether you like George Bush or not, whether you think he's a good man or not, those words will go down in history. Why? Because George Bush, in his innest moment, understood something. He understood the pain of 9-11. He understood, my God, what these men and women who are first responders, who we will always salute on this show, understood. What they have been through. What New Yorkers have been through. Where they have witnessed one of the most devastating attacks in human history. And then they had to go through the rubble. Minute by minute, hour by hour, just hoping and praying that they found someone that they could survive, save. But as the hours turned into days and the days turned into more days, and they weren't finding anyone, then the chances of finding someone alive went down and down and down. And then they had to start carrying bodies from the rubble. They were tired. They were beat up. They were hurting inside. And then those words came. I hear you. He didn't say he agreed with them. A lot of them probably didn't vote for him. He said, he said, America hears you. If you know American politics, it's New York. You ask a Texas person down to tell you, hey, what you think of New York? Ah, they're, they're, all, they're all silly slickers. They haven't got a clue. Bunch of yuppies. This is New York. But America hears you. Can you imagine if you had someone, and I'm not just blaming this at your, at uh, Donald Trump's face, because I want to talk to you about the presidency as a role in a few minutes. But can you imagine if you had a leader who just stood up and said, I hear you. 
I don't have to agree with you, but I hear you. And America hears you. Because when I look at this case, I don't see the race involved. I am so sick and tired of all this fluff we get caught up in. Oh, it's a black person. It's a white person. It's this, it's that. You know what I saw? I saw a cop act badly. Forget his duties. Forget his roles. Forget his responsibility. And act inappropriately against an American citizen. And that is wrong. Wrong. To those who are upset by this, who feel the oppression, I stand with you. If you're upset and you're frustrated and you're against the police or you're against priest brutality, or you just want to have a peaceful protest and go, this must never happen again, I will link arms with you. I will defend, even if I don't like what you say, I will defend to the debt your right to say it. But to those who want to be looters, who want to be rioters, who want to use this as an opportunity just to get some stuff, to take it to the man, no, you're wrong. And we need to call those out. But you know who needs to lead on that? It's the people who are peacefully protesting in the streets. But you know why it will never happen? It's because of all of us. It's because of all of us. Because of how we act today in politics. It's so easy to say they should call out their own side. Who does it? Who does it? And who does it and actually has credibility? And who does it that does not get pounded and destroyed on social media? When was the last time Barack Obama got called out? Do you remember that eight years? <laughs> Crickets, right? Crickets. When was the last time call, anyone called out uh, Donald Trump? And if they did, were they you know, destroyed on social media? Were they destroyed by the president? When was the last time anyone called out the, the leadership of the GOP? Kevin McCarthy's getting a nice little, little run-in, isn't he? Amazing how we never call him out. Do you remember under the Tea Party when we used to always... In fact, I had the exclusive interview a long time ago with the person who dared challenge and primary John Boehner from Ohio. He's a buddy of mine now. Remember when we used to primary those people? Remember when we'd always pick the bad Republicans who would primary? Remember that great wave that Barack Obama helped and cause with the Tea Party? Mike Lee, Ted Cruz, Rand Paul... Marco Rubio, Justin Amash, Thomas Massey. Obviously, you now because they've been elected, you know, we have different opinions on different other peoples. You know, Mash has, you know, done himself harm in certain corners. Rubio's hurt himself with the amnesty bill, but they were the Tea Party wave. Dave Brass, Jim Bridenstine. Where's the wave under Donald Trump? Or have we just accepted that, oh, well, Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell are the best we can do? Heck, Mitch McConnell. When was the last time he was primaried? Remember back under the Tea Party? And I know this because I used to be very political. Remember when we all got behind Matt Bevan? And we just fundamentally thought just getting rid of the leader of the Republicans in the Senate would just make a seismic change. But now Mitch McConnell just slides on under there. But who calls out their own side? Who has the audacity to do it? I'm only a small radio guy. But anytime 
It's amazing. Anytime I talk about Donald Trump, I can guarantee you the messages I get. I'm blessed to interact with about 10 of you on a regular basis. The other you when it's when I say something wrong. In your eyes. It's amazing when I say something positive about Donald Trump. Where I'm like, good job. Even if it's something straightforward to most right-wing people. Hey, opening the embassy in Israel. Great job. Moving it. Congratulations. You did something that I never thought I'd see done. Oh, what are you on the Trump train now? No, I just call them a spade a spade. If I call out Donald Trump for violating the Constitution. Oh, why? You know, you're still a never-Trumper. Oh, you never change. No, I'm just calling a ball a ball, a strike a strike. When do we call out our own side? We need to stop with the political games, with the political theater. We need to start listening to people who are actually telling you the truth in kernels, but yet we don't know it. I want to give you two examples of that real quick. What you have to understand about my industry, and as much as I don't want to be part of it, I have to admit I am part of it. My industry on left and right is nothing but a stage. It is nothing but, hey, how can I get ratings? How can I get clicks? How can I get people to listen to me? And they will say, do, act any way they think will get you to like them. And there are people who've admitted this in the past. I've seen this industry from behind the scenes. I'm disgusted. And I'm disgusted. And let me be crystal clear. I'm just not talking about CNN and MSNBC and all the left people. I'm disgusted with a lot of the hosts on the right. When you actually get to meet them. When you actually get to see how they work. But you have people who have said this publicly. Yet we don't actually take it for granted. And actually listen to what they say. Who have a lot more experience in their little finger compared to someone like me. Where Bill O'Reilly used to talk about. You just got to give them their pound of flesh. And then next week you take your pound of flesh. That's the game. This week I'm mad at you. I'll take my pound of flesh. And then next week you take your pound of flesh off of me. Why? Because the people want blood. My people need blood. They're thirsty. I need to give them the left on the plate. And this week I need to give the right on the plate. Even then this week I saw a viral video from Ben Shapiro. Where he's literally sitting down watching some of his viral hits. And he talks about Piers Morgan. And then he talks about how he's different behind the scenes now because he's actually friendly with the guy. Why? Because it's all a stage. We all look at them. When we watch CNN, when we watch all this media, we need to actually ask, are they truthful? Are they decent people? Are they honest? Or are they just saying things because it's the popular thing to say today and they've been told to say it? But how do you solve that? That's not me. That's not anyone else in my industry trying to clean it up. That's you deciding who you watch and who you support. I want to talk to you about your future and you, America, and not about the politics. And I want to talk about 2020 or anything else. I want to talk to you about you. I want to have a conversation with you about how you're feeling, America. How are you feeling? If you're anything like me, I bet you're really frustrated right now. I bet you're really angry right now. You know, anger can be discussed in different ways. It can be discussed in irrational anger, emotional anger, righteous anger. 
And depending on what we are thinking right now, we always, always put ourselves in, well, I'm righteously angry. I share all those emotions with you on a daily basis. If I was to do this show just off the cuff and responded every day, I'd be as mad as hell. But the reason I do the show the way I do is because I don't want to add to the anger. I don't want to add to the hatred. I don't want to fuel it. Everyone's feeling what they're feeling. And if you're on the right right now, it is a rigged system. Government is a rigged system. We spoke about that last week or two weeks ago. The media is a rigged system. Everything that's going on right now about Donald Trump being the worst man since sliced bread. You know what I'd love to do? Just, you know, as a personal experience. If, you know, human rights be damned. You know what I'd love to do? I'd love to get every person on the left in a chair of handcuffs, inject them with truth, sir, and ask them one question. The Republicans in 2016 ran the biggest field in human history. Pick one candidate from there that you wouldn't have said the exact same thing about. Oh, they're racist. Oh, they're sexist. Oh, they're, 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 they just don't like other people. Who would you have not said about that? Would you have said that about President Cruz? Oh, would you have said that about President Rubio? Oh, would you have said that about President Paul? I know the answer probably would be, oh, well, we would have accepted Kasich because he was okay. Mm, of course you would have. He's a, he's a Democrat in Republican clothing. Oh, would you, you know, I'll give you another favor. Oh, would you like Jeb Bush? What about no more dynasties? The answer would have been the same. The answer, if they were truthful, would have been, they would have, probably would have, they might have, the words might have changed, the situations might have changed, but they were going to hate no matter who it was. It's a rigged system. But I want to talk to you about how you're feeling. Because I share your frustrations. I am so frustrated and angry but honestly the feeling i have on a regular basis every moment of every day is heartbreak because you see i I don't see people like their their political party i see people and i see the pain that is coming and i see the media poke you it's that annoying poke poke Poke, 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 poke. The media is that, in that analogy I started off on the show, the media is that five foot nothing guy. Poke, 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 poke. And then eventually, the guy who's so jacked and is a Marine just gets fed up and just goes, ah, shut up, boom. And then everyone's like, oh my God. I get your frustration. I get it's a rigged system. You want to talk about a frustration? Let me share some frustration about what's happened in your country, but how it's impacting my country. And I can be angry about this. I can be bitter about this, which I am. But I'm mostly heartbroken. So in Ireland right now, we're on some draconian lockdown because of coronavirus. Our country doesn't officially fully open till August 10th. August 10th. And even then, it's not a full open. 
Because the minister came out last week and went, well, we can't guarantee the schools will be open by September. Oh, no. But the restrictions end on August 10th. And all these tests have said kids are pretty much, oh, we just can't guarantee it. Oh, I, I don't, we don't know what's going to happen. You're looking at all these businesses. You know the heartbreak I feel right now? And I know this is because it's close to my heart. But we have a staged lockdown, you know, opening up of the economy. You know, the next stage opens on Monday. Thank God some companies are going to get to open. And hopefully people will go give them money and give them business so that they can keep their jobs. And we have a stage open every three weeks till August 10th. That's stage five. We have when hairdressers can open. We have the stage which I'm most passionate about, August 10th, when the gyms can finally reopen. You know what we don't have a date for? When cancer screenings can start again. No, I get I'm a bit emotional about cancer because it's been in my family a lot. I've lost a lot of members through cancer. The idea that I can tell you with you know, pretty near certainty when I can go lift weights and while that is critical and important for my mental health and for my physical health. The fact that I can tell you when I can get a haircut. Now, I don't need one because I just go, because I'm bald. But there are ladies out there who are, you know, in fashionable industries who need to look good, can't tell you when they're going to get a haircut. But if you have diagnosis right now where people are going, your doctor's like, you might have cancer. You can't tell right now when you're going to get screened, when you're going to get tested. It's a joke. I get frustrated. I get angry. I feel for the families who are living with this. They're kind of going, oh my God. Does he have cancer? Does she have cancer or not? Well, when are we going to find out? We don't know. When they're going to the health hospital? We don't know. My heartbreak goes to them. We have a situation in Ireland because of coronavirus and because of just natural death. People are dying. People are dying every day. My mother's a funeral director. And has had to see families make the agonizing decision where it's in big families, where they are about to bury their mother, their father, their sister, their husband, ever who it is who died. And they have the heartbreaking decision to pick what 10 people can go to the church to pay their respects. And it has been heartbreaking for some of them. How do you do that? Imagine a loved one of yours died. How do you pick 10 people who can go to your funeral? We have all of this going on. And then one stupid, ignorant cop breaks the law in America. And all of a sudden, these protesters are out, baby. All of a sudden, coronavirus and social distancing and keep two meters away and wear a mask and all this stuff. And you can't gather. You can't travel more than five kilometers from your house. You can't do any of this. All these rules. All of a sudden, this happens in a country 4,000 miles away. All of a sudden, that's just not out. That's gone out the window. Oh, Black Lives Matter. We have to be in protest. We all have to get in front of the American embassy. We all have to virtue signal. For something that doesn't even affect 99% of Irish people. But yet we're all supposed to go back into our little cubby holes. When we finish our protests. No, oh, social distancing. Can't go to a sports stadium. Oh, more than 10 can't go to a funeral. There are situations where grandparents who regularly minded their grandkids because their kids are at work. 
haven't seen their grandkids. Now that's starting to loosen up. But for a period of time, they couldn't. But this protest comes along and all those restrictions gone out the window. There was a protest in Ireland. One of our big companies, a company called Debenhams. It'd be like, I don't know, Walmart, not Walmart, because it's more, it's more clothing. But they went into liquidation during coronavirus. And some of the workers, there was a picture of it on one of our main streets, went out and protested with the union. There was like 12 of them. And they were clearly about three, four meters apart, just with their placards going, we want our rights. Again, whether you agree with them or not, they have a right to protest. The police moved them. There was about 10 of them, maybe 12 max. Hundreds in our cities. Thousands in some case for Black Lives Matter. Do I get your anger? Do I get your frustration? Yes. But it's how do we respond? How do we respond? Because when you're angry, what they are looking for, it's a rigged system. We can moan and bitch about it all we want, but facts are facts. And last time I heard, facts don't care about your feelings by people on the right. This is the fact of the game. We have to start playing the game smarter. Because I want to talk to you about your history. How did things change? How do things change? Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On the Blaze Radio Network.